0: This episode is brought to you by our Patreon supporters. Become a Patron today at patreon.com forward slash into the portal. For thousands of years, tales have circulated the globe of people within various faiths who have the knowledge and the ability to enact a form of divine creation. To create life from unformed matter. In order to achieve such a feat, the techniques and use of such rare occult knowledge had to be employed. The intangible world written down in the form of incantations and rituals embedded with great power. The power to command soulless matter to come to life. One such creature was known within the lore of the Jewish Kabbalah and found in the many scrolls of the Talmud texts, said to be created only by a few legendary rabbis and sages with the knowledge and power to make a golem. Seen by some as a protector and demonized by others as a monster, Legends of the Golem have persisted in Jewish folklore as well as the history of Prague for centuries, while the knowledge of the Golem itself has existed for much, much longer. Tonight, we delve into the world of ancient alchemy, occult knowledge within the Kabbalah, and ideas of divine creation in search of the Golem.
1: Hello and welcome back into the portal. I'm Amber A.
0: And I'm Andrew McKay.
1: Welcome back, back, everyone. Yeah, (laughs) It's a new week and we've got some really, really cool stuff we're getting into. Yeah. Uh, Before we jump right into that, though, we do have our usual housekeeping. A little
0: bit of housekeeping. And
1: this is really exciting. First up on the docket, we have a little bit of an announcement. Um, It's a new year and that means there's some new things happening uh, for news. Into the Portal. Big so news. we've had our first official sponsor come on board for 2019. Yes. Um, And if you love coffee anywhere near as much as we do, you're going to want to listen up for this. So we're actually going to be announcing this next week, uh, a contest to go along with the launch of our new partner, Coffee Gator. Yeah. Yeah. Super stoked. It's really neat. It's yeah. like Two of my favorite things, it's almost like a cryptid combined with coffee.
0: In a way, their logo is awesome. Yeah. It's so cool, and, and their products
1: does. are friggin' cool, man. So we're gonna include a link um, to the website on our show notes for this episode, yeah. and then just um, yeah, so forward, so you
0: guys can go on the website and check it out. But you can wait for the announcement because of course there is a discount promo coming. So exactly. so take a look at what you might want. But yeah, it's uh, super high quality. I'm I'm pumped. I can't. Even, I'm pumped.
1: We've yeah. been uh, testing out one of their uh, French presses
0: the best French press I've ever used in my life.
1: Yes, it is such high quality stuff. So yeah, we're really excited about that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> we also uh, have a little bit of Patreon news too. So we wanted to give a shout out to Ian from the UK for upping his pledge on Ooh-hoo! Patreon. Thank you so much, man. We yeah, really yeah. appreciate that. So now he has access not only to just the mini Sodes, but he also has access to the full length bonus ones too. So just like the Amber Room episode that we gave a little teaser for over the holiday mm-hmm. and then released last week because it was so popular, which is mm-hmm. which is fantastic. But- So much
1: response to that, hey? People
0: love any historical mystery with Nazis in it. Like, you said it. You're like, oh, I'm a weirdo for liking this. It's like, no, 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 no. Like, that's... People love that, right?
1: Yeah. And you get the Cold War, too. Like, you get everything. It's great. Totally.
0: But we also have some big news with Patreon as well. Mm -hmm. So we've decided to set new goals for Patreon, and we're going to be shooting a video to, like, explain this further, and it'll be up on our website, and we'll, we'll put it everywhere so you guys can see. But essentially, we want it to be a little more interactive and a little bit more clear and tangible and fun. Just something really cool. So what we've decided is we want to take Into the Portal on the road. Mm -hmm. We're trying to, we're going to try to raise money through Patreon so that we can go essentially on Into the Portal Euro trip 2020 (laughs) (laughs) to go to some crazy, creepy sites, Castle Hoska, Mm -hmm. maybe Leap Castle, a few others like that. Underground Prague. Underground Prague so that we can bring you guys like live footage on-site like investigations and we'll be podcasting from the hotel rooms in places where we can go yeah. and so that's what we want to save up our money for to do um we just think it would be really really cool kind of so. want to
1: be like the latest version of ollie steed's <laughs> <laughs> mystery <laughs> investigator yeah
0: exactly <laughs> and we're we're, we're kind of gonna like pick places where we can stay for free like we've got friends in prague so we got to go there and we'll hit up some there's so much history right and yeah. it's actually ties into today's episode
1: it kinda- it does and the th- fun part about this for me is that when you become a patron and join our patreon community you can um help dictate where we're gonna go yes so we'll be like yeah sending out we want to get your feedback on what are yeah your most prominent wh- where would you want to go if you're going to europe and totally. what kind of miss would you want to see covered so yeah. so much fun stuff i'm really excited
0: about. It. maybe maybe you guys could even convince us like if you if there's a place you would never want to go fundraise and get us there and we'll have to suck it up and go inside i don't know where it would be but i'll, what about, I'll do it
1: what about the what is it turkmenistan they have the pit of fire it's like Ooh, the hell pit right let's go there anyway sweet there's gonna be a lot very a, cool a laundry list going on here yeah so anyway yeah <laughs> um, one last thing before we dive into our topic of the day new reviews we yeah. had some new ones on our canadian itunes yes that was which really is fun. awesome uh, so, thank you. We just want to give a shout out to Canadian Girl 2319 and to Jimmy Boba Bob Brain <laughs> for your smoking five star reviews. Yep. Yeah, I thought that was really fun. They were just, yeah, super digging on our hosting style and for all the info of the content. So, nice. we appreciate that. Definitely. Can't thank you enough. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. You ready to do this? Let's get into it. Okay. So, today we are talking about the history and the concept of a creature known as the Gollum.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And not golem from Lord of the Rings.
1: <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, that's an important distinction. <laughs> but
0: the golem. Um, the word Gollum, this is a quote from uh, from ancient origins, but you see it in basically every reference that we have. Mm-hmm. The word Gollum is said to appear once in the Bible, in Psalms 139, 16, and it means shapeless mass or unfinished substance in Hebrew. Essentially, the idea of it is that it's it is a creature formed from matter, and it is without a soul.
1: Hmm. So, so it's kind of like a automaton.
0: In a way, mm-hmm. very much so. And I guess we'll get into that in a little bit, won't we?
1: Yeah.
0: But yeah, so the golem is essentially a symbol of creation. It's a symbol of protection and deliverance from God um, in the Jewish history, essentially. And it is also a symbol of God as the creator of Jewish mythology, as is represented in sort of like many different cultures throughout the world in ancient times as well. So like the Greeks and Egyptians had sort of similar creatures where essentially life could be breathed into them and mm-hmm. they were made from essentially lifeless objects, exactly. lifeless matter.
1: Like even the Greeks, uh, we have this reference later on, but they would actually try and perform incantations to make their um, Greek gods statues come to life. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's one particular one that I'll reference later to. Yeah. It's, it's really cool. It's <laughs> Yeah. So, but yeah, another interesting thing to note here on the Jewish faith the Jewish conception of the nature of God and their relationship with Him is sort of like less mediated by the church than it is with Christianity. So, as a result, they, in a sense, I guess, would feel closer to God, the idea of like closer to the divine and the act of creation. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was interesting, like, because we're talking about the idea of breathing life into something, so.
1: Totally, yeah. And it's interesting, like, we watched a few different documentaries on this, and just, like, the Jewish conception, um, the Jewish faith, and the idea that, like, yeah, that's that's an interesting way of putting it. It's less mediated by the church. It's a closer one-on-one relationship. And in ancient times, like, God wasn't really, like, he was seen as obviously an omnipotent deity, like a monotheistic whatever, but it, he was less perfect. Like he could almost like do wrong or wrong a Jew, like someone of the faith. And there was this one story of a guy that actually took God to trial (laughs) because, because of all of his misfortunes and he was blaming God for it. He's like, why have you put this on me? And that's that's interesting. Right. So he's not just like this, like they're just like fearing him and worshiping him. Like, like how he kind of, I don't even know, like the old Testament where it's just like, fear of gods yeah yeah, exactly (laughs) exactly. but anyways there are so many like ancient precedents in jewish history and literature pertaining to the figure of the golem and uh it's usually traced back to a lot of these um stories that come from the talmud which is a, a book of part of the jewish faith right and uh, I have this quote here from the New Atlantis. It's interesting. It says the origin of the golem in Jewish thinking is usually traced back to a characteristically terse Talmudic story that does not even use the word, but begins with the almost magical-sounding phrase "Rava bara gavra," or "Rava created a man." Huh. Rava, a very great Rabbi, sends the man or golem. That he created to this one Rabbi Ziera, and the quote continues. It says here there is no mention of why Rabbi Ziera discovers that this being cannot speak. I don't. Know, I think that'd be pretty obvious. You ask him what's his name, and he doesn't say anything. Well, like that's yeah, kind of yeah. <laughs> But essentially, um, this Rava Ziera actually just he sp- he spoke to him and commanded it to d- to return to the dust. So literally just the words, he didn't actually have to um, rub out the the word, the affirmation on his forehead or anything like that, like okay. you see in later stories. Right, That's But he just, like, he commanded it, essentially.
0: Gotcha.
1: So it's weird, eh? Hey? There's a lot of um, ambiguity surrounding why this rabbi created it in the first place, why he sent it to this other rabbi, what the purpose was, or anything. So it's yeah. just this very weird, like...
0: Just, that is a weird way to sort of start it off, in, in a sense, because, yeah, like, was it was it made for protection? Was it made for revenge? Was it made as a companion?
1: Exactly. And we get a,
0: a whole bunch of reasons for golems throughout the...
1: Totally. And it even says here that, um, it says, beyond whatever conclusions might be drawn from Rabbi Zierra's command, there is no overt condemnation of Rava having created the golem. It's just this, like, weird... I don't know what the relationship was between the sage and this rabbi. It seems kind of bizarre. But that was just a really early reference. And there, again, there is another reference to this other sage. Um, He was a Moorish Jewish philosopher from Spain. And he was born in uh, 1021. He died in 1070. And he suffered from a horrible skin condition. He was probably a leper, I would imagine.
0: Something like that, yeah.
1: Yeah, and his name was Solomon ibn Gabriel. Okay. And so, essentially, the story goes that he lived in isolation... So again, that reminds me of a leper, and that he was a genius, right? Like he was very high up in the Jewish faith, knew a lot, okay. and the story goes that he made himself a female companion slash concubine slash servant um, <laughs> golem out of wood and hinges.
0: Wood and hinges.
1: Yeah. 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 So it says here: <laughs> this is from the Jewish Encyclopedia. It says uh, Solomon Ibn Gabriel is said to have created a maid servant by this means. The king, informed of this desired to punish him, but even Gabriel showed him that his creature was not a real thing by restoring every one of its parts to its original form. So he basically just dismantled it
0: right mm-hmm. interesting. Hmm. yeah and I I mentioned to you before we started recording or going through notes like was there something like inside this wood like was it was there like an inner layer of something that was like necessary to and it was just like framed with wood because if you're just making oh, yeah. like a wood statue essentially like, That's, that to me is not the same as, uh, clay.
1: That's an interesting point. Uh, yeah, it wasn't actually clear whether there was more elements. Like, if he started with, like, the heart of clay, recited the incantations, like, and then eventually, I don't know, added to it, but... Yeah. Yeah, that's all we got of that one. Right. Could you imagine? And even in the documentary we watched, um i loved the host of it i can't remember his name his name is something chain and he like is, was a very prominent jewish author yeah and he kind of makes he's a very cheeky guy and he makes the point he's like hmm wooden hinges not so great for a man a genius man who has a <laughs> horrible skin condition yeah you <laughs> might get a
0: little chafing uh, on that one there <laughs>
1: yeah but um, no cuddling
0: <laughs> highly recommend like we'll obviously have that uh, doc in our notes mm-hmm. definitely go watch it so as it's, its own standalone it's really good oh
1: and it's in a whole series too and there's one on the Ark Arch- of
0: covenant that we watch uh, next which, uh, <laughs> definitely but there are even earlier precedents uh, of the golem and this goes way all the way back to the stories of adam and eve mm-hmm. and essentially the idea that in the hebrew translation of the old testament the word golem shows up and totally. some people argue that that's the trans, there's a translation issue
1: yeah this is the one that we started off at the top of the episode saying that this was the psalm 139 right um yeah so we don't actually like I guess the Hebrew translation has the word golem as this unformed matter that they refer to but they still
0: both reference the the idea of unformed being or unformed matter because god created them from whatever he created them from right so this idea of adam speaking to god about his unformed being his form without matter without soul like we mentioned at the beginning Mm -hmm. so it kind of reads as follows i guess i shall thank you for in an awesome wondrous way i was fashioned your works are wondrous and my soul knows it very well that's an interesting phrasing, obviously, right? Mm. Like as if the soul is separate and it has its own knowledge, and that's this whole mind-body mm. dualism thing, too, right? Like we could get into that as, as well. As if
1: Adam himself, his consciousness, is watching God create his body. Right. That's cool. Because
0: and, and that's just it. We don't <laughs> we don't know much about consciousness, so that's mm-hmm. an interesting thought. My essence was not hidden from you. When I was made in secret, I was formed in the lowest parts of the earth.
1: Mm, so from the bowels, from like, yeah, it's so clay, from, again, organic yeah, matter. The depths mm-hmm.
0: of the earth, which is another really interesting thing. Your eyes saw my unformed body, and on your book, they were all written. Days have been formed, and one of them is his. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. in, so in this passage, Adam is created from dust, and God essentially breathes life into him. It is, mm-hmm. and it is, this, it is this where the first golem appears in the Hebrew Bible? Exactly, it is Adam of Adam. And Eve. God
1: speaks the word, and it's speaking the word, breathes the life into him. That's a very interesting way of thinking of creation. And when you think of like Genesis, right? God spoke, and then there was light. Right? Like right. He said, "Let there be light," and there was. Absolutely. Let there be humans, let there be animals, let there be trees, let there be all this stuff. Right. Like, I, can't re- I don't know the exact quote. And
0: so the interesting part about that, that we're going to try to get into, but without getting too crazy, like Foucault or whatever, <laughs> is this idea of power being embedded into language itself and in the symbology used to represent that language. So like the Hebrew lettering the 22 letters
1: that we'll talk about the idea that language itself is an act of creation right Mm -hmm. that's really cool so even just furthering that sort of idea of adam as the original golem because he exactly that was formed from the earth he wasn't formed through um uh, procreation it was a divine Mm. act right so very very much in line with this sort of the metaphor of the golem Uh, This was again from the Jewish Encyclopedia. They say here the imagination of ancient Israelites frequently turned to the birth of the first man, who was formed of dust and not born of woman. A principal passage reads as follows How was Adam created? In the first hour, his dust was collected. In the second, his form was created. In the third, he became a shapeless mass in the fourth his members were joined and in the fifth his apertures opened <laughs> in the sixth he received his soul and then in the seventh he stood up on his feet in the eighth eve was associated with him <laughs> and in the ninth he was transferred to paradise in the tenth he heard god's command and in the eleventh he sinned twelfth he was driven from eden End quote so that's kind of cool hey so you got the whole story there right. and we got reference very obscure reference and they didn't really explain it in that documentary the idea that um the uh, the plucking of the apple wasn't the original sin there was something else involved in that and we'd have to dig a little bit further yeah with that they, one, but... they
0: view it differently yeah mm. that, that that wasn't the original sin there was something else
1: so that's cool hey adam as the original golem yeah so the fact it's, that uh... and we get this like sort of uh, metaphor repeated all the time where it's like oh like even as like um as a warning right the idea that populations today are simply golems of their leaders, We're these shapeless, um, unthinking masses that kind of just do the will of our leader.
0: Yeah, it works as a perfect Or a master
1: or whatever. You can apply it to so many different things on so many different levels. Well,
0: the, the, the host of the documentary makes that, because it's an older documentary, it's from what, late 90s or something like that, it seems like. Mm -hmm. He he has this ominous, this is all I'm going to say, but he has this ominous quote, uh, Halfway through, or whatever, he's like, My fear is that in the future, exactly what you just said, people. that people will become a form of golem, mindless, fo- blindly following. Uh, the order a leader that is crazy and honestly
1: we've already seen that (laughs) yeah we see it all the time
0: and we see it all over the world but i mean definitely the last few years it's been set a precedent uh Mm -hmm. everyone knows what i'm talking about for sure yeah but
1: so (laughs) so there's like so many of these ancient references from the bible from the talmud but the talmud didn't come into being until a lot later so this was a just before um, the first millennium, right? Right, yeah, so... Oh, sorry, not the first millennium, like, year zero.
0: <laughs> yeah, ju- just after, ap- so, like, yeah, just after, so, yeah, like, 67 AD.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: how was this pronounced again? Maccabee. And that was from the documentary, right?
1: yeah. That's the Maccabee Jews, yeah, okay, mm-hmm. and
0: yeah, so obviously there was a bunch of different like Jewish uprisings against the Romans, um, and just
1: different er- different times of severe persecution se- where they kind of yeah. went underground and they're just kind of trying to survive, pretty like, much. But they didn't have a lot of the foundational things that we know today, like what we're gonna get into just now, so. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. No, they didn't, and and that kind of reached a peak in yeah, like we said, sixty seven. So this is when a prophecy of a chosen one sort of prompted the the Jews to rise up in what ended up being a failed rebellion. And this was the first Jewish Roman war, which kind of ended in the destruction of the Second Temple. This is just from Wikipedia, mm-hmm. and the fall of Jerusalem. So
1: that was brutal. Like literally, every single Jewish person they found when they invaded Jerusalem was just rounded up and murdered.
0: Pretty much, there was some taken as slaves, obviously, and most were just executed yeah. and it was a very unsuccessful <laughs> defense yeah. but
1: that was the same rebellion where it was like any jew or any mother that was found with a circumcised baby was essentially hanged and then her baby was hung around her neck
0: it's just hor- just horrific like it's, it's hard to even imagine like even picture right oh, like, babies it's pretty, man pretty crazy yeah
1: it's horrible
0: um yeah but but this particular rebellion and all of this all of this suffering and craziness is what resulted in the creation of the cup the couple the Kabbalah, Kabbalah. sorry <laughs> I had a little <clears throat> excuse me and the Kabbalah and as kind of the the motor engine of the Jewish faith at the time because it had so much like embedded power in it. it was more mm. than just a text.
1: Yeah. The Kabbalah is like, it's almost like a frame of mind. It's an organization, right? And it's all, it's a set of teachings. Right. Mm -hmm. And
0: they also were particularly focusing on the Talmud, which is a Mm -hmm. series of books and it's essentially ritualistic formulas and alphabets Mm -hmm. using the 22 Hebrew letters. And these establish the order of Judaism and also the formula for the creation of obviously the Gollum.
1: Exactly.
0: Yeah. So allegedly... All one needs is the Torah, the Book of Writings, and the knowledge of the ordering of the words, essentially. So you need to know the incantations, which mm-hmm. you'd have to get from studying the Talmud and up in, exactly. in depth, right? Like, all the people it. who know, allegedly, how to create a golem, it's like, you gotta be... You You, you study this all day, every day, for your entire life, essentially, Oh, yeah. Right? By
1: the time you're an old man, you might understand. Maybe. And <laughs> it's interesting, too, when you go back to even before all of this was actually formally created i'm not sure if this is included in the talmud it must actually but um there was this idea that um originally the there was this one rabbi that really wanted to create a golem in the image of god right because he was referencing the whole adam as the original golem so he was like how can we and then god essentially had a conversation with him and said um you are not me you are not my equal therefore you alone will never know the secret take two of you two rabbis and put your heads together and then you will know and essentially after much um, you know like ram- like uh, studying and meditation and all this kind of stuff yeah. they came to this sort of formula that's included in the talmud
0: interesting isn't that kind of cool that yeah. is really interesting wow mm-hmm. crazy <laughs> very cool
1: yeah so the talmud essentially is the genesis of or sorry the the basis of all of this and yeah it's talmud Talmud. I don't know. Talmud. Talmud, I,
0: I, Talmud. It, it's not, whenever I've heard it in docs and stuff, it's Talmud.
1: Mm-hmm. But essentially, yeah, it is the set of teachings and commentaries on the Torah that form the basis of Jewish law, essentially, like all the practices, all Interesting. the whatever. Um, and it says here, this is a quote, comprised of the Mishnah and the Gemara. It contains the opinions of thousands of rabbis from Jew or different periods of the Jewish history.
0: Wow. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of, um, input on that So
1: if you're like a highly reviewed rabbi or a sage, as they sometimes call them, you'll be adding to these. So they're constantly growing. Interesting. Yeah. So it's like, if you have exactly that, if you have a commentary on what you're studying, then you basically write your own books. There's this one guy, I can't remember if it was rabbi Lowe or another rabbi, but he wrote 22 books on the topic.
0: On his, on his research.
1: Just, yeah, on on the Jewish faith in general wow. and this kind of, yeah, all Crazy. this Talk academia about behind it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Pretty cool, though. It is. So the Talmud is very interesting. So we get a lot of different stories. There was one that was quite, I thought, fascinating, and it's very different from the other conceptions of the Golem we're going to get into. Hmm. So essentially there's this story of two rabbis who, this is a very paraphrased version of the story, but they essentially found themselves starving in the middle of the desert. And so they decided to um, evoke the the words of God and basically created an artificial calf out of mud and clay. And they then consumed it as a meal. So, yeah. So it says here, this is a quote. The creation of a living mammal in a laboratory was accomplished by two rabbis as early as the 3rd century, although their choice of an animal was a calf rather than a sheep. This article in particular was talking about, it was comparing the dolly, the, the cloned sheep, to um, golems. We get a lot of this, or artificial life golems, that yeah, sort of artifice over there. Him. So these two rabbis, uh, by the name of Rav Harini and Rav Ho- Hoshaya, uh, sorry, <laughs> but um, apparently they... Created this sheep golem type thing. Weird. Yeah. There, there was another sort of version I came across that said that they weren't really starving in the desert. <laughs> so that might have been an embellishment from a different article. Okay. But um, it said here that they convened every Friday. So it was like a ritual that they would perform every Friday. And essentially, they would occupy themselves with these laws of creation. And they had fashioned one third grown calf, which they then ate um, for their Sabbath meal. Interesting. Yeah.
0: See, that to me is like... See, that's odd. I I just... That that to me is almost like they created... Literally, it had the same body chemistry. Like, they literally made a... Mm -hmm. Rather than, like, how the golem ends up being, where it's like... It's animate clay or it's animate, whatever you're using. That's actually an interesting
1: point. If you were to stab a golem, would it bleed?
0: Right. Obviously, in this case, it would. If they're eating it, they're like cooking it up. making. This is
1: literally the first version of the Petri dish burger.
0: (laughs) Of the Petri dish burger.
1: (laughs) It is. (laughs) Really? Or steak or whatever.
0: Yeah. (laughs) That's interesting.
1: But that that was cool. So that's another little fun story there. So, okay just to just to get back to what we're sort of the progression of this sort of historical narrative yeah so now we're up to almost um the year of christ being born we're just a few decades away from that yeah so 67 in some cases 63 they say bce yeah so we've got this huge rebellion that's failed we've got the creation of this talmud these texts and then the kabbalah so kabbalists everyone knows the kabbalah is like if you think of that you just think of like mysticism and pretty secrecy much. Yeah. and uh, dark magic, maybe I don't know. There's And, all and, sorts and of
0: alchemy, it alchemy. became pretty much directly associated with with alchemy.
1: Totally. Um,
0: and people that weren't Jewish became interested in the Kabbalah. Mm-hmm. Um, people like Paracelsus mm-hmm. that we've talked that who who we've referenced before in the homunculus. Oh,
1: and same with the what was his name? He was like the emperor of Prague oh. at the time. I want to say emperor. Oof, we'll get to him in a yeah. sec, but yeah, it'll anyways. Come, it'll come
0: back. <laughs> so this is a quote from um <laughs> I hate pronouncing stuff. I always chabad? butcher it, right? Chabad?
1: The Chabad.org.
0: Chabad. Chabad. Okay. So this is essentially a, a quote about, about the golem.
1: In- well, not really. It's more so a quote about what the cabal means to Jewish people.
0: Okay, yeah, sorry, I've got the wrong section yeah. here. Yeah, yeah, okay. So here it reads as follows Inside your body breathes a person, a soul. Inside the body a- of Jewish practice breathes an inner wisdom, the soul of Judaism. We often call it Kabbalah, meaning receiving. Just as the Jewish practice is received through an unbroken ancient tradition from the revelation at Sinai, so it so is its soul. End quote.
1: No, the the Kabbalah it goes on to say the Kabbalah then is the received wisdom, the uh, native theology and cosmology of Judaism.
0: Cosmology too. Mm-hmm.
1: So very cool. So it's more so, it is sort of like more in the metaphysical side of things. I think it's it's the philosophy of Judaism.
0: Yeah, or at least one aspect of it, kind of the more esoteric aspect of it.
1: Yeah, that's just it. Because like, when you get into the Kabbalah, you get these ideas of esoteric knowledge forms of secrecy of all this stuff. But essentially, it's almost like the reverse. The Kabbalah is attempting to decipher the secret. It's attempting to explain it to to its practitioners and stuff so it's not as if it's um it's oftentimes it's actually being um misinterpreted as the secret teaching when it's supposed to be this teaching of the secret Right. So it's the difference between attempting to keep a secret away from people versus disseminating and spreading the knowledge of the secret, which is kind of oxymoronic if you think about it, because the secret, if it's not kept secret, then it's not secret anymore. Right. But they're essentially that it's trying to unravel the mysteries of the universe according to the Jewish perception.
0: Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. I have a quote here from from Travis uh, J. Dow from the History of Alchemy and from his website. He basically said that, Exactly. Like the Kabbalah is basically a system of finding hidden meaning in the Holy Scripture using those 22 Hebrew letters. So coming back to the importance of lettering and language mm. and that it is considered by its followers as a necessary part of the study of the Torah.
1: Totally. And then even just to continue that, the idea that the, that Kabbalists believe that God moves in mysterious ways, but they also believe that the true knowledge and understanding of that inner mysterious process is obtainable. And through that knowledge, the greatest intimacy with God can be attained
0: that's really interesting. I there.
1: love that quote there. Yeah. I just, I really, oh, because this is exploding a lot of our preconceptions, right? Like it's not about dark magic. It's not about keeping, it's not like the masons or something. You know what I mean? Where you have to like go through the stages of, you do have to go through stages of learning, obviously, but it's, it's definitely very, very different. And the only reason that it's so secretive is because of these frigging eons of persecution that make them practice these things in private areas away from public eye because... Right. Because if you're visibly Jewish, then you're visibly persecuted. Of course. Mm-hmm. And obviously
0: there was a period where this all came to a height, just like with alchemy, and then it all of a sudden became very not cool anymore, right? Yeah. So that 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 too was pushed to the fringes, even if you weren't necessarily Jewish, but you were still using the texts for alchemical reasons, mm-hmm. trying to, to create stuff like a homunculus.
1: like a homo- Or like a golem. That's right. So part of this sort of Kabbalah, Kabbalah, sorry, I'm <laughs> is this um, book called the Sefer Yitzhira, the Book of Creation. That's pretty good pronunciation there. Thank you. (laughs) And uh, within this book is essentially ritualistic passages and incantations that can bring um, the soul into the body of a clay being by means of transmutation of language. So it's the power of the speaker combined with the power of the words to create life out of nothing, what I like to call ex nihilo. Yeah. it's something out of nothing.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. And we have a winery here in the hometown Nihilo. called Ex Nihilo. And
1: it's based off of this really interesting was it a fresco or a painting? I can't remember. Above this one chapel, I think it's in New York, it's some cathedral. Yeah. And basically, it's this fresco of uh, exactly that. Like, um, it's a very
0: it's a weird scene. It is of. weird. Just um, even
1: just yeah, if you're, if you're very Google curious, it. just Google it. Yeah, Excalibur
0: yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. But you know what this kind of reminds me of? Um, I don't know if this is going to sound off base, but this reminds me of Hereditary and the book that mm. that grimoire that was just kind of surfaced in the you're 1700s. <laughs> like I don't know what there's just much. Remi- I know, but it just <laughs> reminds me of that. Yeah, because it is essentially a grimoire. In a way, it's 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 showing you Incantation the, the incantations, spells. the words mm-hmm. to use, the, and it and it's so detailed, right? Like I think we get into it in a minute, but like it's not just about the passages and the incantations. It's like you literally have to be standing in the right direction. You have to be. Yes. You have to be moving the right way. You have to be.
1: And it's all a very slow process. Like we, I didn't write this down in our notes, but essentially in the documentary they describe what the Zefir Yetzirah um, says, and you start with a teaspoon. You have to be familiar with the spoon. Is kind of how they phrase it, which is weird. And then you have to take a level, um, level like spoon of dust, and then you have to recite the words. And then as you recite the words, you pour water onto the dust, and th- it mixes together. You right. have to literally do that like
0: he thousand spoon times. by spoon to make your golem.
1: Yeah. And be standing in the right direction, because if you're not. The
0: entire (laughs) time. Yeah, we'll get to that story in a minute here.
1: But another interesting word, just on the idea of the power of words and creating life out of nothing. Um, This is totally freaking random. I'm sorry. I'm not saying that this has anything to do with Jewish faith or creating a golem. But the word abracadabra that we associate (laughs) with magic, right? And, And that's what you say when you create something like, say, the bunny coming out of the hat when it shouldn't be. Right. Um, It actually derives from this other word, an Aramaic word, um, "avra kedavra," which is very Harry Potter, right? (laughs) That reminds me. But it basically translates as "I create as I speak."
0: Which yeah, is, cool. which is very true, right? Mm-hmm. Like in a way, in a metaphorical sense, the question we're dealing with is, can it, can it cross over into a more literal sense? When you right. say things, things happen. You, like when, when we communicate with each other and I say these things right now, you look back at me and know what I'm saying. That's something has just happened there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. It's weird.
1: It's very cool. I love it. So obviously, yeah, like I uh, are not associated with Jewish alchemy or anything like that, but very cool. The idea of words themselves breathing life, c- creating something. Right. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, this isn't exclusive to the Jewish faith, the idea of conjuring a life form out of nothing. Uh, very common, like we've said, in alchemical practices. You get Paracelsus with the first test tube baby in the 16th century. Mm-hmm. Um, all sorts of stuff. You get people outside of the Jewish faith wanting to... Know the secrets, so you get oh, his his name was um Prince Rudolph of the uh Holy right, Roman that, Empire.
0: That's right, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah I remember and, that now.
1: Anyways, he comes into play a little bit here, but um, let's get into how to make a gold,
0: <laughs> sure, okay. So, in that book that you just referenced, in the Zeph yet zara as best I can do the the book of creation and formation there are instructions pertaining to the creation of golems specifically and there's sort of several rabbinic commentaries on the book as well that have provided different explanations as to how exactly these directions these instructions and directions should be carried out
1: that's interesting there the idea of several rabbinic commentaries on the book so that's where we're getting again the idea that people are adding to the canon of literature yeah and Adding yeah. their own interpretations,
0: right? Mm-hmm. Finding a slightly better way to do things, possibly even with your incantations or something, totally. or, or finding an, a, a yeah a better ancient way of doing things. <laughs> so um, yeah, the rituals for the golem creation almost always involves um, manipulations and permutations of the Hebrew alphabet. So it's got these these yeah. So it's like I don't even know. Like how do you, how could we better explain that? Like break that down. <laughs> like
1: it's kind of hard to. Get wrap your brain around if you're not really of the Jewish faith. Like the way that I kind of take that. So there's the four letter name of God. So I almost take that as like you break down those letters and then you you rearrange them in certain in, in certain orders and stuff. And like I don't know what that looks like when you're actually doing it. But this
0: is where I'm interested in the literal shape of the lettering and like where I'm where I feel like there's power embedded in the actual object like lettering as an object
1: you're very much aligned with this one specific artist that actually created a sculpture of a laying golem and he literally created the sculpture out of these four letters from the hebrew hebrew alphabet which is which means god
0: like thousands of them. thousands
1: of them so you can google it google statue of golem and you'll see it and it's it's really cool looking and that, to me, is, like, kind of the best visual representation it's of It's a that.
0: metaphor of the idea that I'm putting forward, for sure.
1: Totally. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, where Where am I here? In this one version. Okay, yeah. So, in, in, in one version, for example, the golem may be brought to life if its creator were to walk or dance around, uh, basically, while saying the proper incantation of letters from the Hebrew alphabet uh, and the secret name of God. So, that's basically just, mm-hmm. like, the idea that there is this special foot pattern essentially that you have to you have to move in a certain way it's almost like i don't want to call it a dance but it's almost like a, it's a ritual i picture a like a shamanistic kind of chant dance oh, yeah. to, to conjure or to cross over to another there's side of, there's
1: a lot of rocking with there's Jewish... a lot of
0: rocking back and forth of, yeah
1: yeah, so yeah i'm not sure if that plays yeah into that. you
0: need a lot of lumbar support in the chairs in your house otherwise that rocking back and forth you're gonna throw your back right <laughs> out but
1: this is interesting here in another version it says here so this is where you again get these letters the four letter name of god um but they only list three here it says aleph mem and tav the letters that combine to form the word emet which means truth which is often um, transcribed either on a piece of paper and put into the golem's mouth or actually put on their forehead to breathe life into them and that's the word and then when you actually um in a lot of the stories it's emet so e-m-e-t but if you erase the e it actually becomes the word for death met and it kills the golem instantly
0: right so this is like their form of control over their exactly. creations
1: so it goes on to say that yeah these letters are required to be written on a golem's forehead or yeah you stick the, the on the parchment and stick it into its arm or its mouth
0: <laughs> into its arm
1: <laughs> yeah that's weird yeah that, that
0: one's that one like I, in its pit That one didn't come up very much in the research.
1: I never saw an actual story that came to that one. No. No.
0: But again, the power of speech and words. So God created with words. And we talked about that a few minutes ago with Adam and stuff like that. But like, what does this actually mean? Like... Okay, we've referenced Michael, Michel Foucault a few times, and I don't pretend to understand what that guy's trying to say.
1: I maybe understand like, 4% of what he says. <laughs>
0: right. But like I've been saying this whole time, I just want to try to articulate it a little bit better. Mm-hmm. The idea that could written words have could have literal power. So lang- language does have a literal power, obviously. Like, it functions literally. Like, it when you say something, it does have an impact in the physical world, potentially, right? Oh, definitely. But... And this does in many ways. But what about a manifesting power? Right? So like, as in the ability for the actual shapes of what we call words to have volition of their own because of the power embedded within them. As in like the word of God. He uses words, breathes life into something, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, like, when written down, words become objects themselves used to depict the sounds made to convey meaning and other objects as actions between us, right? And th- and those other objects. Is that making sense?
1: I guess.
0: So, long story short, like, written words are metaphors for the Golem itself, right? They They are created to describe the intangible. They are written down. Before written language existed, there was no way to... Physically, visually, have an object Mm -hmm. describing what you you're just saying Mm -hmm. linguistically, right?
1: Actually, that's a very interesting point that you bring up because I I agree with all of that. Language is is inherently imbued with power. the The way that we use language dictates whether it 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 demonstrates whether or not a an individual you know has that sort of whatever. But I totally get what you're saying. How like. The idea that, okay, before written language, there was just the word right. itself. There was the verbal, the yeah. verbally- The sound. Of it. And, then, <laughs> and then the written, you get into a lot of this with like um, studies of colonialism, of just like uh, power um, throughout history, power structures, how that's created, uh, the construction of it, yeah. and how if you have the language, if you have the books, then you have the power. Essentially- That was why the Bible wasn't um, widely distributed way back in the day because the power rested in the hands of the priest who had the literacy and the ability to convey the words. Right. That's a a sort of a little bit of a different sort of angle. That's like the metaphor.
0: Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. a metaphor of of this. I'm going literal and that's where the idea of like grimoires come in, right? Because it's the orientation of these now objects written down. The intangible has been written down on paper so now people can read it and learn it and understand it. And when you say Mm -hmm. it in a certain way, Physical things happen. Yeah. Conjure a demon. Make a golem.
1: Exactly. Conjure a protector. Travel
0: to the other side. As
1: we're going to see in just a minute. But we're actually gonna take a quick break for um grave girls. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So um yeah, we we kind of linked up uh, with these guys on Twitter and they have a really fun show. So they basically take a horror movie and a story related to that horror movie and break it down. They're super (laughs) fun and funny and uh definitely worth a subscribe and listen. So check out this promo for the Grave Girls podcast.
1: Hi, we're the Grave Girls from Grave Girls Podcast. I'm your host, Hawthorne. And I'm Amaryllis. Every week we watch a different horror film, and I find a scary story that goes with it that will definitely leave you shaken in your boots. And if you aren't wearing boots, my true crime case, and murder... We'll scare the pants off you. And then you'll just be naked, and that's just that's just a fun time. So listen to us on SoundCloud and iTunes. And follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Don't forget to check out our website at grave-girls.com. We love you all in case we die. Bye. Yeah, so be sure to go check them out. And now we are getting into probably the most quintessential legend associated with golems. That's right. And that is the legend of the Golem of Prague. Right. Mm-hmm. So this came about in the 16th century, and essentially it is this telling of this epic story of this guy, referred to as the Maharal, or Rabbi Lo. Right. Uh, I actually came across, what was that other, like, alternative... Um, way to say his name was like Lu.
0: Yeah, oh, no. Officer of the Lou. <laughs> Officer of the Lou. <laughs> no, I
1: thought that was so funny. Anyways. Okay, so the Maharal. I like calling him the Maharal, so I'm just gonna do that. But essentially, this Maharal was invited to live in Prague at a time when the Jews weren't experiencing too too much persecution, but it was still a little bit iffy. But I guess this one um Holy Roman Emperor Rudolf, which we mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. he was um he was a little more forgiving. He wanted to know more about the cabal, cab- cabal and all that kind of stuff, yep. like the Jewish mysticism and everything. He was really interested in alchemy. Yes, he so was. So he invited this rabbi Loh um, to come and live in Prague. And essentially, he set up shop in the Jewish ghetto or Jewish quarters, as it was called. It wouldn't they it were, would become that. You know? They were separated. Like, they were.
0: But they were protected though, right? Like they, this that was, was This was a protection. flourishing period for exactly. them
1: in Prague. Until. Yeah. Until the times when um, this kind of a dick, his name is Thaddeus, he was apparently a Jewish-hating priest, hmm. and he started to stir up these sort of pogroms and uh, started to... Things started to get a little bit bad for the people, uh, the Jewish people.
0: Well, they started to, started to spread rumors, right? started to... Yeah.
1: And a lot of that had to do with the idea that... The Jews were using the blood of Christian babies in their secret practices and rituals, which is just, it's been repeated so many times throughout history and it's just complete BS and it's just annoying. But, anyways,
0: they just recycle the same thing for everyone. It's like witches, babies, like Jewish alchemy, babies, like anybody we don't like. You're just cutting up babies and using their blood for everything, making salad and baby blood. Exactly. Why why is everybody using baby blood for everything?
1: Exactly. So, anyways, this rabbi, he did um, settle in the city and Essentially, this guy is very interesting. So the Maharal is a figure that is definitely shrouded in myth, but he is most certainly a real person.
0: 100%.
1: And there's a statue depicted in Prague still to this day in this one square that's a commemoration for him. And his
0: grave is there as well. Yes. He's buried there.
1: Yes, and actually, um, just last year, I think, Michelle Obama went and paid respects to it. Really? Mm-hmm.
0: That is a random side fact.
1: <laughs> Crazy. Very random. Wow, all right.
0: <laughs> That's two Obama references we've made recently. I know, right? The yeah. Annihilation and... and no, anyway. this.
1: <laughs> uh, so, essentially, yeah, these pogroms um, created some rough times for the Jews of Prague, and it started to get really intensified yeah. as all these acts... It was, it was, yeah, basically a lot of... Um, yeah, just the, uh, violence. It got to the point where
0: there was mobs through the streets. There was mobs, like, yeah. You
1: couldn't go out at night. Um, I think there was like some burnings of churches, that type of synagogues, that yeah. type of thing. But anyway, so the Maharal feared he had no choice but to enact the protection of God through a figure formed from clay, brought to life by the insertion of a shem, a piece of parchment with a secret Hebrew word on it. Right. Which is the word of God.
0: The word of God.
1: Exactly. So Joseph, as the golem became came to be known, um, looked human and even had, yeah, his human name and identity, right? So he was accepted. He was very helpful to the Maharal in the community. He assisted in a lot of like reconstruction projects. So if a synagogue was burned down, then he was definitely helping with that kind of stuff. Okay, yeah, right um, but interesting enough, um, as we've seen before, he could not do one simple thing. He couldn't talk. Right. So he was silent. Um, so the Maharal was very pleased with his golem, and a lot of the order was eventually restored to their community, on some level at least. And Joseph, yeah, performed these amazing feats with his strength, um, had did many chores for the community, all this kind of stuff. Uh, Didn't
0: they reference that he would even, like, fill in in prayer, like if one of the rabbis couldn't be there, that he was even, he they referenced that in the documentary uh, that he would almost even fill in as a part of the
1: That of I the think was a or, different, I don't think that was Rabbi Lowe, but there was one guy who supposedly made a golem and he, to the point, yeah, exactly, where he thought that it could be so much a, like a man that it could be a part of their sort of rituals
0: essentially in and of itself interesting yeah
1: it wasn't um joseph though i don't believe but anyways in some version of the story apparently the maharal granted the golem a special necklace made of deer skin and adorned with mystic symbols which actually turned him invisible
0: invisible golem
1: yeah that's really cool that reminds me of uh Mm -hmm. (laughs) x-files but uh, seemingly everything was going well for the community until the maharal forgot one important thing every friday night he had to remove the shem from the mouth of the golem in order to keep it under control because that's kind of a common trope is the idea that if you don't do that your golem will eventually become uncontrollable So essentially, yeah, he did that at the end of every week just to like shut it down. It's almost like a computer, right? You don't want it to evolve too far. You don't want it to, you know. Yeah, just the
0: modern metaphor. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: Exactly. So yeah, until one week he forgot to remove the Shem. And the golem ended up running amok in the city, uncontrollable, until the Maharal managed to... I can't remember how he actually managed to corral it, but he, he ended up getting the Shem out, and this time it was for good. So him and a group of um, rabbis went, and uh, in some stories, they go to the river and unmake him, and other stories, they bring him to an attic. You know, no one really knows the fate of the golem, Um but apparently there are several places around Prague where people say that the golem lives still. This day.
0: Like that, it was stashed away, yes. rather than destroyed.
1: Stashed away for a rainy day,
0: <laughs> right? When <laughs> when things know. start to stir up again,
1: yeah. <laughs> Which unfortunately it did end a up lot. obviously in the 20th century, and there was no golem to save the day. So right. Mm. But we'll get into this in a little bit here in our discussion at the very end, the uh, possible places where this golem could have ended up. And there is some interesting side stories about that too. Oh, yeah. But yeah, so the Maharal is definitely a very highly revered sage in Jewish tradition. He is often seen as this figure that was like a balancing figure, towing the line between the sort of mystic elements and then the more... um,
0: Authentic, kind of just like traditional, yeah. Religious the aspect.
1: more I don't want to say the more kosher elements, but like the more conventional, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that type more of thing. Kosher.
0: I don't even know if that me- if we're if, yeah, <laughs> if that's accurate or if that's just a really bad pun.
1: I don't know, <laughs> <laughs> but in an alternative story, actually, um, there was this other guy called Elijah of Chem. Who was given credit for creating a golem in Prague too in the 16th century. Interesting. And this was a really fun story. Apparently, his golem was very uncontrollable, and he he did the same thing where he slipped a piece of paper in his mouth, but the golem grew way too large to remove the parchment. So he was just kind of stuck. But then, in a really clever turn of events, this guy Elijah he asked the golem to tie his shoe for him. The golem, sorry, the column. And then when he bent over, the rabbi grabbed the slip of paper, but, but tragedy ensues because of the massive um, weight of the golem, it crushed him. Fell back, yeah. falls
0: on top of him, crushes him. Yeah.
1: yeah that unfortunate. Yeah. It kind of
0: makes you wonder, it's like, what's more dangerous? The having a golem and having to deal with it or the process of trying to create one and like what can happen if it doesn't work out properly because mm-hmm. of, because of you're dealing with, we- again, I'm reminded of Hereditary and like that book. Like if you don't do something properly, like
1: Paimon, yeah. things,
0: not good things are going to happen. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Um, and Well, I would- in that case, they kind of wanted those things to happen a little bit.
0: Oh, exactly. But just the idea of... Yeah, yeah. I guess it's a reverse, but same concept, right? <laughs> totally. But we did we didn't mention earlier though, like how dangerous it can be. Like we we loosely referenced, but
1: yeah. there was one
0: where it was like the one story where a rabbi was trying to teach. He had a he had several students, disciples. Disciples. Mm-hmm. He was trying to show them how to make the proper incantations and the proper orientation, and they were facing the wrong direction. And when they when they got close to the end of their initial incantations, they Sunk into the earth. Essentially, it's like
1: quicksand. Uh, yeah. yeah. They,
0: they they opened up something else. They were conjuring something different. And they essentially sunk in up to their shoulders, I think it was. It was up
1: to their waist, yeah.
0: Okay, up to their waist. And they were stuck in the earth. Yeah. Like, screaming, being like, imagine how caught off guard you'd be if you believe that to be true. Bizarre. How
1: sudden would that have been, too, you know? Like, this process is very slow, seemingly. So, I don't know. That's, that's a cool story, though. I like that one. Mm-hmm. We had another one from the 1800s, too.
0: Yeah, this was sort different. of this was the allegedly the last like recognized golem that's attributed to a guy by the name of R. David Jaffe. Is that? I hope that's close.
1: Jaffe, yeah, I don't know. A he rabbi, was a, rabbi. In, a yeah.
0: Russian rabbi. Yeah. Um, in the, was he a government official? Is that what this?
1: No, he just lived in this sort of um, government area of Grod- Grodno,
0: Grodno, Russia, Grodno. around 1800.
1: Okay, I think it's just a province. I gotcha.
0: But his golem, unlike that of Rabbi Lo, was not like supposed to rest on the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. So that's a little bit different, right? So it appears that it was sort of created only for the purpose of replacing the Sabbath, like. I mean, the,
1: they call it a Sabbath goy. It's the guy that heats the ovens.
0: So he was just a worker. Like yeah. he was created as a. Not as a concubine this time around. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, all orders to make fires were given to this golem on, on Fridays, and then he, you know, he would execute it promptly, but, mechanically. yeah, mechanically the next day. What is... Hmm. I don't even but know. But like, we're... You didn't
1: read the end here, because <clears throat> one slight error in an order actually caused the golem to... It, it caused a confusion with the golem, and he actually ended up destroying the whole town. So that's another... So that's where we get this other element, right? This moral sort of element. It's almost like an Aesop fable, like a cautionary tale. Right. Where you get this idea, like, if you're creating something, you better watch out. It's almost like the humanist narrative where you're um, going beyond your reach. And then, obviously, what's... What is the... Like, you get Prometheus with this. You get the modern Prometheus, Frankenstein. Yeah. So that's a very a tale that is imbued with a lot of those sort of moralities and stuff and the idea that maybe perhaps creation should be left up to the almighty creator. Right. Whoever that is. Yeah. Is it lightning? Is it God? I don't know. I
0: mean, (laughs) yeah, there's a lot to unpack with that too, though, because of the, even the idea of like, I mean, I keep going back to language, but the intention of what you're trying to create and like, for example, in, in the original Frankenstein is a little different than some of the modern versions like that, the movie with, um, oh, De Niro. Right. As as Frankenstein mm-hmm. is kind of a more a little more modern conception, where like the character who plays um, the guy from Harry Potter, the whatever, and he's like Lockhart, Lockhart yeah, yeah. Gilderoy Lockhart. <laughs> um, his whole thing is like it's like yeah, it's very humanistic, right? It's the betterment he of wants, humanity. Yeah. I want to like grow a new heart, and this, that, and the other thing. It's not for defensive reasons or alchemical reasons. It's it's mm-hmm. a, yeah, it's a different.
1: Well, yeah, that's in, that's an interesting point you bring up. The idea that uh, like scientific aims trying to explode those sort of limitations right of the human body versus like um exploding maybe or or getting past the barriers of spiritualism and the spiritual limits right actually you know on that note this is kind of a you know we always get this sort of dichotomy this opposition between science and religion and i was on this one website called the new atlantis and um they actually get into a little bit about this the um the idea of like science technology and religion actually being a lot more um agreeable and like working together right i mean i'll just read a little bit out from here but it says um essentially conventional wisdom holds that religion and science stand in opposition with religion oppressing science in the past and science undermining religion in modern times today scientists and believers are wary of attempts either to reduce science to religion or science or religion to science but there is good reason to distrust those who seek to prove religious truths that there is, sorry, good reason to trust distrust those who seek to prove religious truths scientifically or to read religious scriptures as a science textbook. Right. But the relationship is not simply antagonistic. Religious institutions have in many cases supported scientific inquiry. The rise of science depended in part on metaphysical beliefs with religious roots, and arguably on certain religious virtues. Religious belief in turn has been enriched by scientific insights into the natural world and technological innovation has been essential to the spread of religious ideas. So it's all very, it actually does help one another. And, you know, like obviously a lot of our scientific questions stem from the unknown trying to uncover the unknown, and what did religion seek to do? The same thing a little bit. Totally. So, a lot of the same functions. But.
0: Absolutely. No, that isn't interesting. I'm glad you I'm glad you found that. Because mm-hmm. that's a good... Yeah, that definitely contextualizes this a little bit better,
1: yeah. I think. So fun. I, I love this whole concept and idea.
0: It's really interesting, for sure. I'm, I'm definitely... I, it makes me want to try to... Well, maybe not make a golem or a Homunculus or a Frankenstein, but... Maybe make a Cyborg? Like, um, I'm <laughs> make like... a
1: mini Cyborg. Just like a teeny one. Like a Homunculus, I guess. Well, <laughs> no.
0: we should write a book. We should. Make a little
1: well, speaking of non-gross
0: that, Homunculus.
1: Speaking of like books and literature and all that kind of stuff too, like, we both read in university Marge Piercy's He, She, and It. And that is a really awesome intersection between Cyborgs, um, future dystopian realities... Uh, technology and then the roots of uh, yeah like the golem and jewish alchemical practices yep. in the book itself you get two narratives you get one from 16th century Prague, which goes through in great detail the story of rabbi Lowe and joseph and then you also get the futuristic dystopian um, reality that's in the book where essentially you have the creation of a cyborg and i don't know i don't think his Mm -hmm. name's joseph is his name joseph no
0: i can't remember what the name of the cyborg was
1: it's the same idea right is he a man is he a machine is he in between like you get a lot of
0: soul does it right yeah exactly can it it, yeah and it gets into
1: a lot of that right because as the cyborg um grows or matures it it evolves it seems that a golem is able to do the same thing which is why they have to take the shem out of right. its mouth they have to they have to stop that process and then maybe just like regenerates as a newborn on the next sunday or or whatever it is the next monday when they put the shim back in its mouth that's
0: an interesting thing yeah like is there memory is there yeah yeah
1: that's interesting oh woo, okay. that's getting
0: into other things too like can memory be stored on a where, where, do, where is memory stored? You know what I mean? Like, can it be, st- like, mm-hmm. we got into, it's not, like, it would be DNA with a golem because it's made from matter, but we talked about this. Actually, wait a second. It wasn't on our show. I talked about this on Zeng This with, <laughs> with the thing, um, and the idea of, like, memory being embedded in DNA so that, like, the thing would take over a body and then it would have their memory
1: They would have access to it all
0: so that's a little off topic it's almost here, like a
1: database right it's mm-hmm. like um could be like the memory of a computer right? mm-hmm. hard yes, drives indeed is it the hard drive is it the soft drive what is it the <laughs> software the hardware what contains memory i don't know <laughs>
0: <laughs> the, soft <drive. laughs> the soft drive yeah you know what i don't even know if i'm really up for a hard drives you guys don't carry any soft drives <laughs> there are other golems that have been referenced <laughs> in the ancient world though just to get back on track here, <laughs> okay. um, we, t- we mentioned at the beginning the idea of the Greeks trying to find incantations and ways of uh, spells, essentially, to bring their statues to life. Mm-hmm. Because their statues were obviously representations of very, like, creatures, that not creatures, gods and demigods, they believed to be real. Um, at right. least up until a certain point, right? But they
1: actually existed in this place called... What, what is it called again? Um, the Mount of Olympus? Yeah, I yeah. yeah,
0: that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got Zeus, you got everybody chilling up there. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, one of the main ones, though, there's a whole bunch, but Talos is an interesting one, a giant bronze man who guarded the island of Crete, hmm. um, allegedly by throwing stones at the ships of unwanted visitors. Ooh. And, yeah, um, there's, there's some debate as to who built him and why, but... Um, one version one version says he was created by hep, hep, ha, ha, <laughs> <laughs> hep- hep- oh, Hepastus.
1: Oh, hephastus Yeah.
0: Asbestos. You guys better Hephaestus. get that cleared out.
1: You know Hepha... Yeah, yeah. Right? I just suck
0: at pronouncing that stuff. I can pronounce the next one though, and it was a gifted to King Minos. Uh-huh. Everyone knows King Minos, right? Yeah. With yeah. the yeah. Minotaur is where that comes from. Yeah. So anyway, that's kind of interesting. A little bit less concrete in terms of like a, t- a specific text that they used or anything like that. I just mm-hmm. thought it was interesting. And then there's also dark myths uh, related to the afterlife in the underworld, obviously in Egypt that we've talked about a lot. And there are some sort of stories about, you know, breathing life into inanimate things in ancient, all kinds of ancient cultures, mm-hmm. which I just thought was kind of interesting. But the Gollum is unique comparatively to all of them. It, it's okay. With, the, with the, shiv, the shim in the mouth, with, yeah. the, with the concept of language being so important, the Hebrew lettering in that, yeah. that doesn't come into play as much with like the Greek statues and things like no.
1: that.
0: So it's more, it's more metaphysical, but it's more, but it, the metaphysical is directly linked to their, their sacred texts.
1: That's interesting. That even mentioned that you just said about the, how we throw stones at ships. That just reminds me of trolls. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> trolls. Trolls if you haven't had a chance yet go listen to our that i think that was our best film friday yeah that was so much fun on troll hunter
1: you know i uh, sorry just before we get into any more of this i i feel bad we forgot to like i we have there's a name for the collection of commentaries that rabbis kind of add to like the canon of literature that i was referring to earlier yeah. that's actually called the zohar right just just so people know like i've i've come across that reference before but Yeah, just so we have an official name there. I feel bad. You know what, I I always
0: did wonder, like, back in the day, like, when we, because we've watched some documentaries on various things related to, like, this kind of stuff, and you'd see, like, a scene of, like... Um, you know, some Jewish rabbis are praying or getting ready to pray and like people are bringing out like literally like there's like rows of people carrying out big huge scrolls of like documents you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And there's so much of it. Like it's more so than just like one yeah. or two books, you know what I mean? It's a lot. It's like, yeah. It's,
1: it's, it's kind of it insane. That is so neat though. They, yeah. Hey, I'm, I'm really, I'm racking my brain at this moment because I didn't actually write it in the notes here, but there was another reference that was like a medieval reference to, I believe it was a Christian figure, not a Jewish figure, but again, right. the idea that it was a statue that would come to life right? and come to the aid of the, the, the medieval people. I can't remember where. Mm-hmm. What, what even country it was in. Ah, okay, okay. but that was, that just popped in my head. Well, right you now.
0: said to me the other day too, the idea of gargoyles is very similar oh, in yeah. a sense um, with the stone. Right, like the... I,
1: I think that was on our film Friday. <laughs> oh, did, did okay, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. The idea that I would love trolls to be actually like gargoyles, so right. that they during the day they actually appear as just stone formations um, that are quite uh abstract, right? Because a lot of them looked like wood. It looked like a tree. It didn't look like a monster. And then um, once darkness falls, they come to life. Right. And that's why we don't see them. (laughs) Yeah. But anyways, that's a total side note here. I had another reference to... This is a Christian reference, so outside of the Jewish faith again. But essentially, uh, this guy, everyone knows who Thomas of Aquinas was. He was a Catholic saint. Mm -hmm. And apparently, he actually fashioned himself what was termed a female android (laughs) around the year of... Sorry, 1,000 AD. AD, all right. And... I don't know how he created it. I don't know what it was made of or whatever, but apparently his android kept him warm. <laughs> That's... But so annoyed him with her incessant chattering that he just ended up getting rid of her.
0: He'd <laughs> had enough. That's yeah. interesting. Well, that obviously It's like Suri
1: in... or something, or Siri.
0: <laughs> just shut it off. <laughs> oh, man. There, there obviously is, like, the, the Christian version of the Cabal right too because of the um because of what was taken like from the old testament Mm -hmm. and and hebrew texts and things like that so there there definitely are mysticism and and alchemy and things like that linked to 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 christianity too and 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 islam and lots of different faiths oh
1: definitely but
0: uh anyway just to just to yeah
1: (laughs) <clears throat> all right let's get into some discussion even though we we've we been discussing this whole time <laughs> i love how we just like put that as like a, it's like a header in discussion our notes. uh <laughs> what else have we been doing <laughs> so anyways, normally that was it's a little me. more detailed than that that was definitely me but anyways <laughs> um let's get back into the mystery of the Prog golem i love this because it endures this day <clears throat> yeah where the heck is this thing Dang! I don't know, man. And but... the cool
0: thing about it too is the fact that like Prague is one of the most unique cities in Europe. Yeah. It's been, it's gone through, it's changed hands so many times. It's been invaded a million times. And this, that, and the other thing. There's, a, there's a city underneath a city, like Seattle, except way bigger and mm-hmm. crazier, with torture chambers and tunnels and secret <sighs> passageways and so ancient much things that maybe haven't even been found yet.
1: Exactly. Maybe the golem is one of these things. Because, yeah, there are some people that believe that it lies under a modern telecommunications tower that resides over top of the old Jewish cemetery where people think it was buried
0: Interesting. at the end.
1: Um, there are others that believe it was stored in a synagogue attic in Prague. Um, this is the oldest uh, synagogue still in use in Prague. It's called the New Old Synagogue in the Jewish town. And it was built between twelve hundred 1200, or 1270 to twelve. 12- 80 approximately. Okay. Still in use. It survived all of that. It wasn't burned down during the Nazi invasion. It wasn't, you know, like all of these moments where it could have been destroyed. It still stands.
0: Maybe it's protected. Right? But, yeah. Right? Exactly. I, I, I don't know. Like, that is pretty special that it's still standing.
1: Totally. There, okay, there's this one. This is from Prague.tips.org or whatever. It's just like a a tourist site. Yeah. But essentially, it says here, um, a possible hiding place is in the attic of this new old synagogue. Um, but apparently it's impossible to gain access to the attic. One of the very few who went in there was chief rabbi, the chief rabbi of Prague. Um, His name was Landau, and he entered the attic in the the 18th century. When he returned, he was pale and shivering with terror and immediately declared the attic a forbidden territory. He didn't tell anyone what he saw, but in the 1980s, the attic was closely examined and no remains of the golem were found. (laughs) <laughs> and then there's this guy, his name's a rabbi sit and he is essentially the keeper of the synagogue to this day. And he doesn't, he doesn't let anyone, he gets so many requests every year to go visit this attic and he just refuses everyone out, right?
0: Yeah. And in the dock. Very was, nicely.
1: It's not like he's rude about no, it. No,
0: not at all. It's just, it's a, it's, it's a safety thing in, mm-hmm. in their eyes, I guess. Like, but I don't even know, like we never officially confirmed if that 1980s attic v- examination is legit or not
1: no because, we couldn't find because, any other sources right that, yeah. because
0: they the documentary we watched the guy interviewing someone there was like no one's been up it there. it was no Rabbi one's allowed up there completely forbidden don't even ask
1: it was sitting that said that yeah so
0: mm-hmm. and it doesn't seem like yeah so, if that happened in the 80s and that was shot in the back, would right? probably think know. he would have. Yeah.
1: So, I don't know. Maybe they're just saying that to get people to go visit, but you know. Maybe. And this was interesting, though, from him. This is, or sorry, this is from the New York Times. It says During World War II, it was rumored that Nazi soldiers broke into the synagogue and Rabbi Lowe's golem was ripped apart limb by limb.
0: Ripped then, them apart rim by, limb by limb.
1: Oh, oh sorry, I, I read that wrong. <laughs> Rabbi Lowe's golem ripped them apart limb by limb. Ooh-hoo. So they were destroyed by the golem. Yeah. And then it says here, this is a quote from Rabbi Sidon. He says, "We say that the golem is in the attic up there, but I have never gone there." I say that if the golem was put there 400 years ago, then today he is dirt and dust and can't do anything to disturb anyone. But he was originally dirt and dust, so who's to say that if you speak the words or put the sham back in his mouth that he wouldn't come back alive? So. Who's to say? Yeah. Uh,
0: that, that is a really cool story though, right? Because then, yeah, that's it's left to be... Ooh, it's such a forbidden fruit, right? Like, oh, you just want to open that door and go in there. And again, I'm reminded of, not that it's the same at all, but I'm reminded of the horror of Berkeley Square or mm-hmm. something where, like, oh, you totally. go into the room and you're petrified yeah. by what you see.
1: Yeah, he uh, turned pale and he was, like, shivering. He was so terrified. Yeah. There are others that believe that the Golem was driven out um, of the synagogue during Reconstruction efforts, which happened in the 20th century. Mm-hmm. Um, there was this other fun little note here. Okay, so <laughs> the same <laughs> Rabbi Siddon apparently someone came up to him, an old woman on the street and said, where is the golem? I've seen it. I've seen him. He came to me and he told me. And like, apparently she saw this guy that was very tall, very much similar features to the golem of the myth. And, uh, and he heard this from her. He heard it from a few others. And then allegedly it came down to this, attendant that worked at the synagogue and he actually shared the same name as the famed golem so his name was joseph Interesting. and he had gotten into this bad habit of telling visitors that he was the great grandson of the golem <laughs> so he's he was the protector now of the synagogue and he stands there that which is very i love that
0: that is kind of unique isn't yeah it?
1: that's pretty cool I think. yeah but anyways yeah so the, the it's still to this day a mystery maybe itp Euro tour 2020, we'll be able to uncover If we can hit
0: Prague, there's (laughs) lots of stuff we can cover. So
1: totally
0: got to get there. Got to find a way to get there. So we're kind of migrating into talking about really like the true purpose and the function of the golem. And we've covered it a little bit. I mean, it's essentially seen as a, as a helper, a protector, uh, a defender, Mm -hmm. maybe even a, a someone seeking revenge for the Jewish people. Not, not, not just for defense, but for for revenge it, um, it
1: is a symbol of anger too right because yeah if you're suffering persecution you're definitely gonna be angry to
0: right certain extent. but also of course on the other side too it's also seen as essentially like i, I mean i don't know how it's really seen as like a, a sign of the limitations of man's ambitions like the prometheus narrative The it whole is. Idea of
1: it is in the sense that maybe just because you can doesn't mean you should
0: oh Right, the mm-hmm. Jeff Goldblum line.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <It's> <laughs> the same, best yeah, exactly. line ever. Jurassic Park is a great example of that. Yeah, right? it is. It really. Mm-hmm. Is, the yeah. act of creation, that creation running amok.
0: They were so busy figuring out if they could, <laughs> 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 never stopped. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Um, yeah.
1: But that, yeah, I thought we do get those sort of um, parallels to, yeah, Frankenstein. Prometheus, all that kind of stuff. The idea, that, like I said already, the idea—it's a, a, a parable. It's a—it's a warning story kind of thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The other side of it too, um, that is a little more political, is the idea that golems and the imagery of golems and their use in pop culture throughout centuries and mo- mostly this century or the last century, sorry, with the rise of film, um, has been used uh, to sort of propagate anti-Semitic. Um, Ideas. Very, very much so. And the most startling of all of that, I would say, is Der Golem, which was that 1915 uh, silent German film. Yep. And it has a lot of satanic imagery. It basically converts the story of the creation of a golem into some sort of satanic ritual where literally Satan appears and breathes the word of life to the rabbi. Who, who, than, who appears as a dark sorcerer not yeah. as a rabbi at all right <laughs> yeah
0: like he doesn't have the headwear that he normally would mm-hmm. which is like overtly anti-semitic imagery yeah. obviously um the the, the golem itself in that film was based off of the, the quintessential yeah the prog golem rabbi Lowe's golem mm-hmm. so it's got that look yeah. um but yeah i mean uh. obviously this was an incredibly yeah like it was rough. It was rough for the Jewish people, especially in Prague. Mm-hmm. And if you're familiar at all with, I mean, I've made reference to it before, but like with like Franz Kafka and stuff really does a good job, obviously of like conveying the it's suffering. Conveying
1: the suffering, the isolation, and the othering.
0: Right. The othering, the othering is huge. Definitely.
1: And in Kafka's that famous story of his called, was it just the beetle? The beetle. Yeah. Is it the beetle?
0: Th- or no, no, no. No, no, uh, no, no. no. But it's a, it's about yeah, Gregor, the the character, Gregor Gregor. And the
1: beetle. Oh, the metamorphosis. The metamorphosis, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> the <laughs> so. beetle is uh, the other one from um, what's it? Wells, isn't
1: it? Yeah. Yeah. H. G. Wells. Wells. Yeah, I think so. But yeah, so we always get, well, we do get that sort of anti-Semitic overtones. The idea that well, we already discussed this. The idea that um, <laughs> there's all this ridiculous stuff that's associated with um the kabbalah and all this kind of like dark magic sorcery um, using babies yeah. and rituals all yep. this stuff
0: yeah it but, just yeah they flipped it around and used it as a tool to say look how dangerous these people are mm-hmm. like they're not just taking your babies but they're using it to make monsters and these monsters are dangerous um yeah whether people believed in the golem as a
1: you the, know Yeah, yeah the idea of danger Another sort of interesting reference I saw was from this Vienna-born physicist named Wolfgang Paul, and he was actually um, involved in the uh, development of the atom bomb. And in the post-war period, he actually compared it to the creation of a golem. He said here, physics has not only produced useful inventions, but also what is termed soulless technology. Indeed, it gave birth to the atom bomb. Physics has thus made it Made, been made into an autonomous phenomenon detached from the physicist and his soul, oh. which is in fact um, what begets all of it. And so it becomes a sort of golem.
0: Yeah, I mean...
1: <laughs> I thought that was really telling. That is, was like, inter-
0: that is really interesting, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. I mean, yeah. And I mean, the, even just the, the phrase there, like termed soulless technology, the idea... Of a soul and the idea of a soulless matter and...
1: Mm. Breathing a soul into it. Yeah.
0: Right? Yeah. And the idea of what is a soul and what makes, makes that up.
1: Mm-hmm. And like, how is it so detached from the physical... Right. right the the body itself that's why
0: language is so interesting it's like mm-hmm. I, if i was to draw a picture it would be like you know like the physical line like imagine if every time you say a sentence there's like a line coming out of your mouth to the thing that the person you're saying it to right you know what i mean like mm-hmm. there's an attachment there's all these things like concepts and ideas and phrases and things
1: that are being created almost in this um this huge web like apparatus that is our collective consciousness exactly and that is actually hugely significant as a reason why the gollum can't speak Right. The golem is a created thing. It can't create It's on its own. Right. Exactly. Unless it evolved past that. If, if, say, the golem was left with the Shem in his mouth for long enough. Or if maybe the instructions
0: on the Shem were to learn. Yeah. Do on your own.
1: Yeah. What if those
0: are the instructions? Almost like
1: Frankenstein, right? Go into the world and, right. and learn who you are.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Formulate your identity. That's, because if the yeah. power
0: is in the words, then... <laughs> It, it doesn't just have to be make me a sandwich or be my concubine, right? <laughs>
1: or make me a fire. <laughs> yeah. Burn down this village. <laughs> Burn
0: down. You'd think maybe you'd just start lighting your own fires if it was that risky. <laughs> you just got, <laughs> that's his only job and he burns down the whole town. Like, just, just light your own fires, guys. It's not that hard. I mean, maybe it was back in the day. We've got barbecue lighters now.
1: Yeah, exactly. We've <laughs> we got it covered. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I think yeah. we're kind of getting done to the end of it, eh? Yeah, Yeah,
0: know. I think so. I mean... There was
1: one other reference, though, and you brought this up. At the beginning of the week, you are like, The Simpsons!
0: Yeah. Yeah, The Simpsons. There was that one episode with Bart and the Gollum, and it's the classic yeah. uh, Shem in the Mouth. And it was the, in a
1: Treehouse of Horror episode. That's right. Mm-hmm.
0: Which is kind of interesting too, right? That is almost in and of itself lumping the golem in with the category monsters. of monsters. Mm-hmm. Which is in there with Frankenstein. The monstrous
1: and, other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Right. And it is kind of in the category of the uncanny. Like, um, not oh, quite yeah. as much as Frankenstein because of the actual physical human flesh.
1: The, the grotesque nature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like,
0: it is made up out of us. It's rather, a little cleaner.
1: A little more sanitary.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um... But, yeah. then in, but then we you, you reference you mentioned X-Files, but we didn't get into it. But, like, that was a great episode where it was essentially, like, a garbage golem. It was almost like an invisible entity in that one. And
1: it could, it basically manifested and then disappeared into a pile of garbage when right. it needed to disappear. Yeah. That was cool. Just on the note of The Simpsons, though, because, like, okay, so just the basic plot breakdown, because I thought this was quite interesting, and there's a side note that is just a... <laughs> It's an insider for our show and our listeners. (laughs) But anyways, okay, so essentially Bart finds this golem, the golem of Prague, essentially, which is weird, backstage at a performance of Krusty the Clown. He steals the golem and then uses him, obviously, to carry out his mischief-making commands. Bart's sister, Lisa, thinks the golem um, doesn't like doing the bidding of others, sorry, can't talk so her and marge create a female golem out of play-doh so this is where we're getting a frankenstein narrative inserted in there because all frankenstein wanted was a mate a a partner someone to to have that human bond with or some sort of bond with not human but so they create a female golem out of play-doh to be the golem's mate and then essentially they fall in love and then the golem is not under bart's control anymore essentially Mm -hmm. but (laughs) the voice of the female golem (laughs) (laughs) the voice is played by none other than fran drashner (laughs) wow wow fran so yep. had,
0: in case anybody doesn't remember that reference to <laughs> some, or I think it was just on Facebook. Somebody commented like, Amber sounds like French. It was a friend of ours from, actually Prague. It was a Prague. friend from
1: Prague who said that. <laughs> we up worked up with him at the winery and he always made fun of my voice.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, that is kind of funny, funny, hey? Yeah, so funny. But you can make a golem out of Play-Doh.
1: Apparently you can make it out of pretty much anything. Yeah. But
0: yeah. All right. Well, so we're... what are
1: your conclusions here?
0: I mean, okay. This was kind of an interesting episode because it is more of just a historical episode. We're not really... I I mean...
1: We're not going to go try and make a golem.
0: No, obviously Mm -hmm. not. It it definitely is similar to, like, the homunculus episode, obviously. We're trying to figure out how much I believe that this could actually happen. Mm. I'm leaning that way. I mean... I believe in ancient occult knowledge that we've lost. It means we're just staring at screens all the time and we Mm -hmm. think we know everything. And yet our greatest accomplishment is the cheese printer. Mm. Not actually, but like (laughs) seriously, like we all thought we'd be way further ahead in 2019 and we're printing cheese on a printer. Thanks Chris uh, for posting that on Facebook um, from Dash of Science. But um, I, I feel like, I feel like language is really powerful and that that this is, that elements of this could be real. Like I, I do, I do believe that there are, yeah, that, that there's, there's truth to, the, to this, yeah, that there is truth to this. Sort
1: of the meat of the sort of idea of all of this is that language can create something out of nothing.
0: Right. This was something I should have mentioned earlier, but just in to connect to the, the shape and the look of the Hebrew lettering and the power embedded in language and then the lettering to describe that language. This was from the documentary the guy mentioned that hebrew lettering was said to be inspired by the dancing shapes of fire so the, mm-hmm. that their ancient the ancient writing when it first was put to parchment or rock or whatever right the magic of this was the magic of words because they were exchanged around campfires for so long staring at exchange sitting around the fire cooking and then the inspiration from the flame there's something magical about that there's something there's something metaphysical and interesting about fire. And actually that reminds me of something that we did in way back in like grade 10 science. And I I don't, everyone probably has been asked this question in a science class where you have to like write down what you, can you just, is fire alive? Mm -hmm. Like write down the reasons why you think fire is alive. Like Mm -hmm. it needs food, essentially fuel to consume. It gives off heat. It moves Mm -hmm. around and erratic ways and yeah. like you know what i mean it's, it's
1: unpredictable so i
0: thought that was an interesting connection to the oh, actual really lettering cool. used in these incantations the
1: lettering yeah it's just it's the abstraction of the idea that is imbued with this power
0: yeah
1: it's, yeah boom mind <laughs> is just exploded right now oh
0: man i'm gonna be using that gif on twitter when we post this episode just <laughs> that, <boom>. yeah. <laughs> yeah no i mean what do you uh, think
1: I have to agree with a lot of that. I do... When I came into this episode, I a lot of what I saw made me think, again, going back to that fresco or that uh, painting, Ex Nihilo, the idea of creating something out of nothing, the idea that the original act of creation was achieved through the simple recitation of words, the spoken word, yeah. and how that in itself is... Yeah, it's the foundation of what... Of everything, right? What we perceive around us and the the way that we are able to transcribe and explain what we're seeing around us. So, anyways, yeah. Well, not I've, even
0: just that, but like literally.
1: And then, and then beyond that, the idea that those can, yeah, exactly create, create.
0: Yeah, like yeah. like the. I mean, yeah, like we're not going to go deep into Foucault now. At the no. end, but like a microwave is a microwave because we have given it that
1: name you know what I mean? it's a like, complete it's abstraction like, yeah. but it it works because it's on the collective conscious level right where we're all participating in it therefore it's not abstract anymore and right it is what it is mm-hmm. it is what it is because we say it is what it is <laughs> so
0: now we just need to find the golem of Prague and yeah. see if we can bring him. that's back the real mystery
1: life. and that's the yeah exactly yeah. that's the open end of this one so we want to know what you guys think as always um yeah, hit us up into the portal, mailbox at gmail.com. Get us on our socials. We're always on Twitter. Andrew's super active on there. I'm on there at least once a day, usually. <laughs> yep. And then, yeah, just let's let's get the conversation going on the forum. Definitely. Um, this is a really deep conversation, too. So we yeah. can take this in all sorts of directions. And Definitely. I'm going to try and pull up some more of the sort of philosophical things that we've learned in school and Mm -hmm. just maybe yeah try and toss those out to some people
0: and if we have any people listening who have who are jewish or who have gone (sighs) to like hebrew school um and have a better understanding of all this yeah would really love to hear that perspective obviously or like um how how maybe the legend of the golem or stories were presented to to you when you were young or anything like that right it'd be really interesting to hear
1: totally so yeah
0: we hope you guys really enjoyed this one Mm
1: -hmm. and we did i really enjoyed this i don't think
0: we know what we're doing next week for a film friday just yet
1: yeah we haven't finalized that one yet um uh, but we'll let you know as soon as we do to all y'all out there mm-hmm. uh, we'd like to give all as as always special thank you to our producer charlene ramler yes thank and you to so much all of our patreon supporters yeah you guys are awesome yeah <laughs> and, and to all
0: our listeners as well yeah everyone so th- yeah um until next time guys
1: yeah happy new year um,